Hi, I'm Nicole Haney. I'm a business coach who helps goal-driven business owners build the life and business of their dreams. In this podcast, I share tactical advice on building your business, mindset tips, and inspiring interviews to help you build your business and change your life. This is the Goals and Gratitude Podcast. Okay, so hi, Janessa. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. Why don't we start out just by you introducing yourself and what it is you do? Awesome. Okay, well, hi, Nicole. So good to see you. Um, And thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to jump into things with you today. Um, But my name is Janessa Olson, and I'm the founder of a company called Ecologica. And we're an IoT company. And if you don't know what IoT is, it's the Internet of Things. So it's essentially bringing together like the physical and the digital world um, to, you know, make a difference in both. So we're an IoT company that is focused on bridging the gap between your health and your environment um, with a specific focus right now on the way that air quality is impacting chronic illnesses and health. So we have a couple different technologies that we bring together um, and we kind of operate in like the health tech, property tech space. And what we do is we have a hardware product that using a sustainable technology that's actually been trusted by NASA for use on the International Space Station for about 40 years. Um, we have brought this technology into people's homes and offices and using this sustainable technology, we change the molecular composition of indoor air to reduce inflammation in your body. And then these products then transmit data to our data set, which is based off of decades of of medical data and peer-reviewed literature so that you can track the impact that your environment has on whatever, you know, you're facing in terms of your health or whatever your health goals are, but then you can also do something about it. So our products change the air, but we also create this holistic map of the way that your body and your um, health is being impacted by the different places where you live your life. That is so cool, <laughs> Janessa. Like that that's incredible. I knew a bit about what you were doing now, but I didn't know the whole scope of it. And like NASA technology, that's honestly wild. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty interesting because sometimes the best solutions are just the most simple. So um, essentially, when we started entering into this space about three and a half years ago, we were just looking at ways to support natural immunity. Um, I always think that like the best way to learn is from nature because nature is so cool. (laughs) And I feel like we got it like the planet really got it right in so many ways. And then we've just been messing it up. So um, when I was looking for, you know, a solution in this space, I learned about this little particle, it's called a hydroxyl, and they call it Mother Nature's detergent. And this little particle is responsible for making clean air clean. Um, And it's just naturally occurring in 
are on our planet and in our ecosystem. And when I started researching it a little bit more, I realized NASA is using this. So obviously, if it works for them and it's worked for the planet for, you know, X amount of years, you know, millions, <laughs> why are we not using it in our homes to combat the negative things that we're creating um, and use it as a way of essentially a story, restoring the natural state that humans and the planet were meant to exist in? Okay. So I love this. And I mean, you know, that I'm into like all natural things. Like I eat a whole food diet. I try and use like natural skincare. So this is such an amazing solution to like remove some of the negative effects that the air quality nowadays has on us. Right. So I I really love this idea. Um, Now, I actually want to take it all the way back because I want the listeners to hear about your entrepreneurial journey and how you got to where you are today. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about your first business and how you became an entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely am one of those people that has like a bit of a roller coaster journey when it comes to entrepreneurship. Um, I always think about that analogy that people will give where they, they show where you started and where you ended. And it looks like a linear straight line, but mine was not like that at all. And I think that that's actually very common for entrepreneurs to just be a little bit all over the place, especially when they're starting. But when I actually went to school, so I did my undergrad in uh, political science and a minor in economics, and I wanted to be a lawyer. And that was what I was into. I was really passionate from a young age about social responsibility. And I thought that the best way to go about that was to be a human rights lawyer. So I went into school, did all that kind of stuff, studied for my LSAT, like worked at a law firm during the summers, all that kind of stuff. And then I ended up getting a summer job and um, at a company in, in Calgary. And during that time, I realized I loved business. (laughs) So I was so glad I didn't go to law school. And after a couple of years working for that company, um, I decided I needed to go back to school. And I remember having my exit interview with one of the vice presidents. And he was asking me, you know, what did you like? What did you not like? You know, just basic things about how my time at the company had been. And I said, you know, this is a really amazing experience for me. But one thing I learned was that I don't want to work for anybody else. And even as I was saying it, I was shocked by that (laughs) because entrepreneurship had never been something that was really on my career path or on my radar. Um, And I was like, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to try this again and see where I can take myself in my career. And I think like allowing myself to have that time of like self-reflection and trying something new really gave me the ability to shape out what I wanted to do with my life. So while I was doing my master's, I did my master's in business at Ivy. And while I was there, I started my first startup. So again, like going back to my passion for uh, social responsibility I had taken a class randomly in my undergrad. Again, I wasn't even in business, but I took a business ethics class and I learned about the fast fashion industry. 
And in this class, it was talking about um, the Rana Plaza collapse where 1,100 people were killed making clothing and for fast fashion brands. And I left that class and I bawled my eyes out. Um, I had always been somebody that like loved fashion in terms of like self-expression and creativity. And it was kind of a creative outlet for me. And that day I was just like, I will never participate in this industry ever again, because I cannot justify how somebody's life is worth me having a $5 t-shirt. So um, that had been something that had stuck with me for a number of years and when I got to Ivy, I took an entrepreneurship course over a weekend just for fun. A friend of mine was like, let's do this. And I was like, okay. And during that time, I realized um, this could be a business. Like, why is nobody really addressing the issues of fast fashion? So I just started doing a little bit of research. I mean, I was doing my master's full time. I was bartending on the weekends and then I was running my business from, you know, 4 p.m. or trying to figure out how to run a business from 4 p.m. till 8 p.m. when I had to go get ready and go to work. And um, that's essentially how my first company started. And we started as a peer to peer clothing rental brand so like airbnb for your for your closet where i could rent a blazer from you for a meeting that i had if i you know not sure if i can if i'm going to get the job i don't know if i'm gonna be able to afford it or i wanted just a different look but that way we could prolong the life of clothing get more use out of it um and give people the opportunities to have those like statement moments um, while also making a statement about social and environmental responsibility. So the company was called Statement. Um, we took the business through several iterations. And after about two years, we, we were always very impact focused. So everything always came back down to how do I how can I make a tangible impact on reducing the chances of something like the Rana Plaza collapse happening again? And all of our decisions were around that. So anytime we pivoted or made business changes, it was all about this big, um, you know, compelling goal that we had about making a difference. And so when we were so focused on impact, it just led us to look, look at making our business bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, not necessarily in terms of like, oh, I want to make more money today, but in terms of how can I make a bigger impact today? And it eventually just resulted in us changing our business to becoming a white label solution for retailers to help them get into the clothing rental space. because people buying from big box stores or big, big brands directly. That's where the biggest problem is. Um, so we were just trying to always get back down to the root. And um, eventually it led to us, you know, working on a contract for Hudson's Bay to bring a clothing rental brand to the market for them. And this was in March of 2020. 
So I'm sure you can tell where this is going to go next. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, but we had, you know, a 16,000 square foot warehouse and a bunch of employees. And we had five major brands in the sales funnel. And then the pandemic began and we lost all of our customers in 72 hours. And it was just wild. <laughs> My God, honestly, I can't even imagine being in that situation because you've now devoted like several years of your life to this business. Mm-hmm. You've gotten it off the ground. Like this is not easy. And everybody that's listening is going to, I think, be able to like sympathize very much with what you went through because it's like, this is so hard and you are two years into this. You are working very hard, grinding it out, like making this happen. You're securing contracts with companies like the Bay. And then all of a sudden, literally overnight, your business is gone. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Honestly, um, my co-founder and I, who's my sister, we were in shock (laughs) for probably like a good six months. Like we did not process it for so long. And I think that that's something that kind of like speaks to the entrepreneurial spirit a little bit, but is also just like, it speaks also to the situation, like the whole world was in shock. Um, But yeah, we just immediately started thinking, what's the next thing? What's the next solution? What are the big problems that are happening now? And how can we be a part of a solution with that because this is not viable right now you know clothing rentals really relies on what we found to be like three foundational components um one was that retail is thriving which it was not uh one is that people are willing to share which during covid nobody was willing to do and three that people had places to go and they didn't (laughs) yeah so we were like okay everything that this business is based on right now no longer exists literally overnight. And uh, we have to start from start from the ground up. So here's something I was thinking about with regards to this interview. Why did you decide to stay in it? Like what what made you because I think that a lot of entrepreneurs given the situation like you've just worked so hard to get your business to where you want it to be. And then overnight, it kind of just collapses. I think a lot of people in that situation would have said, okay, like this is not, this is not the right time for this. This is not the right fit for me. Why don't I go and just get a regular like corporate job and, you know, ride it out and then maybe come back to this in the future. Like what Mm -hmm. was it that made you decide to stay in the game? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. To be honest, I don't think that I even thought that there was any other option. Like I, it it wasn't even something that I actually truly considered. Um, There were some other opportunities that came up at the time to partner with some interesting companies and some interesting brands in a employment capacity. Well, semi-employment capacity, but none of those things like felt right. And honestly, I think that being very driven by, um, like a a personal, um, goal was really big for me. Like I felt from like a pretty young age, like a very strong conviction 
that I had a responsibility to do something different in the world. So for me, if things were not in alignment with that and weren't serving that ultimate conviction, it wasn't really um, something that I could reasonably pursue long-term. And obviously like you have to do things in your life where it's like, I don't really feel like super motivated about doing expense reports, but these are the necessities to further a greater cause. So for me, it, it was really just, we have a whole new host of problems here and how can we be involved in ways that are, that are still being true and speaking to our, our convictions. Yeah. I I think that that would be the answer that a lot of entrepreneurs would give is like you, once you become an entrepreneur, there is this like drive to continue it. There is this drive Mm -hmm. to keep going and keep pushing forward, like whatever cause it is you're working on. And also just a drive to like succeed. I I think that that is common to a lot of entrepreneurs. Like if you have a drive to succeed, like I can't imagine that you would want to be an entrepreneur as well. Yeah. So like I I could see for sure that you want to stay in it because you're like, no, we have a purpose. We have a vision. We have a goal. And now we just have to change like how we're actively pursuing that same goal of kind of helping people and helping the world. Mm -hmm. So then what did that pivot look like for you? (laughs) Yeah, um, the pivot was huge. Like, um, it was really interesting. I was in a magazine shortly after this happened, and it was called Left Turns. (laughs) And it was like when your career takes a complete like, it's not like you're veering off the path like you, you, you took the off ramp and you're completely going in a different direction. Um, so for me at that time, it really was just like assessing the immediate issues and then thinking about what kind of spoke to me and uh, that I was passionate about. So like to take it back a little further before I get into how, you know, Ecologica became what it is. Um, I was, uh, I'm a person that's always had like a lot of mysterious illnesses, <laughs> which I know makes me sound like such a lemon, but it's just the truth. <laughs> so I was this kid that ever since I was about 12 years old, I would get super, super sick about twice a year, end up in the hospital and the doctors would have no idea what was wrong with me. They're like, oh, you've got strep throat, but you're coming back negative. Oh, you've got allergies, but we're doing all these allergy tests and you don't have allergies. And there are all these just really, really random things that would happen to me. And, um, my mom is a mental health professional and my dad has an autoimmune disease. So when all of these things were happening, we started taking a very holistic approach to health and how it's not just about the physical body, but it's about, you know, mental health, emotional health, all of these other things, environmental health, and looking at the story of like inflammation, because we've always been on a low inflammation diet because of my dad. Um, so when I was 18, we realized I, I was a semi-professional athlete. So very healthy, very fit, but always sick. And at, when I was 18, we realized that it was places that were making me sick not necessarily things and that the way that 
these places were making me sick was from what I was breathing in. And I would have reactions that were obviously severe enough to land me in the hospital um, from things in the air. So it was something that's been a part of my life and my story for over 20 years. And um, essentially when, you know, statement hit this total combustion moment, um, I knew a few things. One was that um, I didn't want to go back to that business. And that was, you know, a very difficult conversation for my co-founder and I, because she did, she loved it. She wanted to find a way to stick it out um, and like work around the solution and keep the business going. But for me, I was like, this isn't my path. And um, I knew that I didn't want to continue with that. And then I also knew that this issue that's been plaguing me for the last 20 years is now plaguing the entire world. So what, what am I doing that is improving my life in this area? And what can I bring to the market or what kind of solution can I start to offer that, um, can be helpful? Like the thing I immediately thought of when it came to COVID was that people are sick. We're using a ton of chemicals, which is, we don't know the long-term effects for the environment or for our bodies. Um, and, um, businesses can't afford this. So we need to find a way for this to be resolved in a way that's more sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's such an interesting story and an interesting turn of events, right? Because you kind of said, okay, this business isn't working for obvious reasons with like the pandemic hitting and kind of maybe it's not for me anyways, right? Like sort of realizing those two things happening at the same time and then saying, how can I be doing something that I feel is more impactful and more meaningful to me as an individual, as a human, but then also for what the world is going through at this point in time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was really just about being like solution focused at the time and having something that was already like in my back pocket, something I was very passionate about, something that had been in my life for so long, um, the solution came pretty quick. So um, I essentially just did like 10 days of like deep dive due diligence into what I thought could, could be a solution here. And at the end of it, I cold called the entire um, board of directors for Western's med school. Cause obviously that's where oh, I went to school. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just left voicemail, emailed all of them, found all of their phone numbers. So I was like, hey, these are the top minds at one of the top universities. And I'm connected here. Um, like Western has been like such a such a hub for me throughout the foundation of both of my businesses. And I was like, I'm just going to cold call and I'm going to ask some questions. And I had two people get back to me. One was the dean of biochemical engineering and one was the head of epidemiology and couldn't have been two better people pitched my idea to them. And they both were like, yeah, this will work. And from there, I was super, super fortunate that Franco Baruti, who is the Dean of Biochemical Engineering, he has a lab called ICFAR Research Institute. 
just took me under his wing, gave me um, people from his team to help with research, let me use so much space. And then we went into a year and a half of testing and development at his lab with him helping to oversee and essentially brought Ecologica to the market. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild, but you know, it's, it, it helps to be bold <laughs> when you shoot your shot. You're like, there's nothing to lose. So why not? Um, so just for clarity's sake, so talking about the solution, like you're talking about, yep. here's the problem. We're in this um, point in the world where people are trying to heavily sanitize spaces with these chemicals. We're worried about what these chemicals are potentially doing to our health. It's very costly for these businesses. Mm -hmm. And so your solution is a natural way to do this. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, as much as we were prompted by COVID because there was such a, a deep desire in the world for this, COVID has not been like our, we're not a COVID company. We're mostly focused on preventative health. That's really where we see our niche and where we can really offer a great solution. Um, but essentially, yeah, like I, we, our, our products make this little particle, it's called a hydroxyl and it's naturally occurring. We wanted to create a way for people to just live in their natural state in the best way possible. So one thing that we've been doing over the last, you know, 50 years as humans is making our indoor spaces super airtight as a way of being energy efficient. But what that ends up resulting in is kind of like putting us in the Tupperware containers. <laughs> um, and when you think about a Tupperware container that's been left for too long, starts getting a little funky in there. Um, and that is something that um, has been heavily, heavily researched on PubMed alone. There's over 120,000 um, peer-reviewed medical journals associating um, air quality to chronic illnesses. And we're talking like neurological disorders, sleep disorders, um, cardiac and respiratory disorders, obviously, but even some, some things like the onset of Parkinson's being directly linked to our indoor air that we have in North America. Like this is not an obscure thing that's, you know, in a developing country where they don't have the same regulations. These are studies that are done here. Um, so for us, what we wanted to do was help people to live healthier lives by not necessarily putting a band-aid solution or dealing with the with the symptoms of the problem but actually just preventing it as much as possible as we can and again it's just what were we doing in nature before that was working um before we started interfering too much and you know given the state of the world the onset of so many issues associated with pollution, greenhouse gases. I mean, even um, this summer with all the wildfires, I was looking on the UN website and it was saying that by 2030, there's going to be a 15% increase in wildfires. And it's just going to keep continuing and continuing and continuing. Um, it leads to so many issues, not to mention just even things like not being able to focus. Um, but it's all because these particles are entering our body and they're creating inflammation. So they're 
disrupting every single body system. And as humans, like we all have this one essential common denominator and it's that we have to breathe. Um, we can go, you know, days without eating days without water, but we can only last a couple of minutes without air and nobody is addressing the impact of what we're doing with our air on our bodies and how that's going to affect us in the long term. Um, so to me, I was like, how are we not thinking about this? Like, this is so obvious, but it's, it's not because air is invisible and it's free. Yeah. It's so, it's interesting because you're right. Like it's, it's so obvious in some ways, but then you're right. Like nobody is except for you is addressing this issue. Like it's actually something that I personally have been thinking about a lot lately as well, because I've obviously cleaned up my diet was like the first thing I did and just eating all natural foods, trying to avoid foods that would have been um, grown with pesticide use and things like that. Yeah, uh, And then switch to natural skincare. And I think that's where a lot of people will stop. Yeah. But then you still can like continue to have these same problems, these same health issues that you've had for forever. And you start to feel like, or at least for me, I started to feel like, how is this possible? Like, what am I doing wrong? Like I'm using everything I'm doing is like as natural as humanly possible. And yet I'm still Mm -hmm. having these issues. I'm still having like, um, you know, allergies and sinus problems and all the rest, like what is it? And then you start to realize like our air is so heavily polluted at this point that like that could potentially be the cause of these issues. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big one that people don't really think about. And one of the things that I think is associated with that is the fact that we aren't in control of most of our environments. So when you go to work, it's not a lot you can do. Like you are where you are. If your coworker is sitting beside you and they're sick, you're just going to get sick. If there's a wildfire that's near you, it's just going to come into your space. And then you're going to get sore throat and sore eyes and all of these different things, not to mention what it's doing to your internal systems. But I think that people don't think that they have the option for control. Um, So they just don't really think about it. It's like, well, it's not really something I can do, but there's nothing really I can do about that. But there is a lot that can be done about it. And it's, it is interesting because um, again, people don't necessarily see it as an issue, but like the world health organization says that air is the number one environmental threat to our health. So it is a huge problem. It results, I know, number one, number that's one. In, that's insane. Like, honestly, I'm yeah. blown away by that. Yeah, it's like improving air quality is one of the top pieces of the world governing body's agenda over the next couple of years because of climate change, because of all of the things that we're doing in terms of production, pollution, et cetera. It is a massive, massive problem. People think about carbon and they think about greenhouse gases. They think about all of these different things that we're doing to the air, but they don't really put it together that that is air and that these things are coming into our homes and they are coming into our office spaces and they are literally affecting us all the time. Even things like when you go outside, like your skin is an organ, you are absorbing everything that is outside all the time and also according to the to the un 99 percent of the world is breathing air that exceeds their pollution standards 99 percent of the world 
we like even in Canada, we are not exempt from living in this polluted system. And that also includes indoor air. We think like, oh, it's all outside. Indoor air is two to five times worse than outdoor air because we're living in these, you know, Tupperware containers. Wow. So it's, it is a massive problem. It's a big thing that people are beginning to focus on. Like the World Health Organization, they started like a clean air day four years ago and are trying to make this a global agenda for all of the different nations. Um, and it just hasn't trickled down to the, to the consumer yet or to the end user or the people like you and me. But um, yeah, it's, it's a problem that these big people are trying to solve and we're happy to be a part of the team that's going to be solving those problems and making that those correlations and hopefully making a difference in people's lives, but also in the, in the environment. Okay. So I can see your passion, right? Like, it's, <laughs> like it is coming through so much that you care so much about this and you're so passionate about it. You're so well-informed about it. And honestly, some of the stuff you're telling me is like, I'm convinced at this point, like <laughs> I need one of these in my own, but it's one thing to have passion. It's mm -hmm. another thing to build a business around that passion, right? Yeah. And so, as you mentioned, a lot of people aren't even aware of these problems, right? I think yeah. the general consumer, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the general consumer would think, oh, but I have an air filter in my furnace, so yeah. it's all good, it's fine, I'm filtering out, you know, allergens and particles and all the rest. So yeah. how do you then take that consumer and convince them that this product is something that they need in their lives? Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, when I started this company and I was talking about improving air to improve health, people were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. They're like, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> I was like, I promise you it is a thing. So we definitely had the issue of being too early, um, which was hard. Um, so really what it came down to was understanding the customer really, really well. Um, and essentially we were making sales. We, we built these products, we have this tech platform and all of our sales were like super sporadic and they were like very labor intensive in, in the sense that like, I would have to like go take like three meetings in person with a company before they would do a, you know, whatever amount transaction, like it was, it was not scalable at all. So what we did is we did a ton of interviewing. I mean, like our product is like an appliance, right? Like how many times do you get a call from the maker of your internet router? And they're like, tell me a little bit about the things that you love about like <laughs> nobody wants that call, <laughs> but I was making those calls all the time doing customer interviews. And essentially um, what we ended up realizing was that even a business decision was being made by an individual who had a bias. And that bias was either that there was someone in their office or someone in their life that they cared about and were thinking about and that they knew were essentially vulnerable to what could be coming in to the air. So that led me sort of down the uh, the Facebook group rabbit hole. 
And I love Facebook for this because people are so transparent. It is the best. If you're trying to do market research from real people within a specific group and you don't have like um, a sample size available to you for a focus group, go to Facebook and ask really transparent questions um, in specific groups because people will tell you everything. It's amazing. So we started going to all of these different groups for like moms with, with kids with asthma, um, new parents that were worried about health, um, holistic, um, practitioner groups, whatever. And we just started asking questions. It was never about making sales. It was all about discovery. And we really just realized that the, the people that you have to start with are the people that understand the problem already. So this is moms with kids with asthma. This is people whose parents have pulmonary diseases. This is people with autoimmune diseases. These are even just people that want to have better sleep because they're exhausted and they wake up exhausted. And that's a big piece of what we've been able to offer um, is significantly improved sleep. Um, so we go to these groups and then we ask them like, where do you get your information from? Um, how do you learn about this sort of thing? And then work the process backwards. So now you're at the point where you're working with some pretty large organizations. Like you obviously convinced a few folks to get on board with this um, <laughs> because you're working with like Fairmont Hotels, Marriott Hotels. Like there's a number of pretty large organizations that are working mm -hmm. directly with you to help um, purify their air in their facilities. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you go about, like how did you go from posting on Facebook groups and getting like moms with kids that have asthma to working with these like world renowned organizations? Yeah, really what it came down to was um, the insights that we can offer. Like everything has to be so scientifically driven and so data driven. Um, you don't get someone like Fairmont working with you by saying, I think we can do a better job. It has to be super, super data driven. Um, and it really came down to just knowing who their customer is, because they are dealing with a lot of people that are traveling for business or are traveling for leisure and likely have experienced a time change. So that group of people, I don't know, if you think about it, you go on a trip, you're super excited. You're staying at a beautiful hotel. You want to maximize every single hour of that trip, or you're there for work. You are going into sessions. You've traveled there. You're coming back, you're exhausted, and you have the same thing the next day. <clears throat> so when we realized um, that we could make a tangible and data-driven change in people's sleep quality and that we actually had the data to support it, not only the medical data, but actual data from our products as well. Going that, to them and saying, this is something that you can offer for your guests that are feeling burnt out, for your guests that um, are traveling with children for your guests that are traveling overseas, all of these different things, because you will be able to prove and quantify that you are going to give them a better in-room ho hotel experience than anybody else, because you care so much about them that you've installed these products 
And these products are going to tell them how much better their sleep was because they stayed with you. So it's not just about um, getting them to buy into it. It's about getting their customer to thank them for being so considerate. You know, they're all about the experience and all about, you know, delighting the customer essentially and creating that stickiness for them. So if we can help our customer have a better customer experience for their customer, the the ROI is, you know, booking one night, one additional night, one additional booking at a place like a Fairmont and it's paid for itself. So, yeah, honestly, as somebody who travels like a fair bit and stays in a lot of hotels, there is nothing like having a good quality sleep in a hotel room. Like it's so I feel like it's so hard to come by because you're so used to sleeping in your home, in your bedroom. So you're already kind of out of your element. If you were to go to a hotel room, especially if you're traveling for work, right? So all of the entrepreneurs that are listening that are traveling for work right now, like if you're traveling for work, the last thing that you want to do is get a horrible sleep and then wake up the next day and have to go and have like 15 super important meetings, right? Absolutely. And I mean, I even think about myself, I was just um, away for work and I always travel with one of my products. Um, and I was staying in a hotel for two nights. I didn't take it with me because I was running out the door, just forgot. And I am sick this week. And I have not been sick in two and a half years. We travel all the time for work. I'm in different places all the time. And I have not been sick. And I'm just like, yeah, because in, in all these places, there's just so much going on. Yep. And you're tired. You're burnt out. You're not sleeping as well. Um, it's an unfamiliar place plus just the, uh, the addition of, you know, whatever pollutants are in the air in that city, whatever it might be, it all culminates. And now all of a sudden I find myself sick. Yeah. You should have brought your Ecologica. I'm saying. <laughs> I know this was such a mistake. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going away for, for work on, I leave on Sunday and I'm like, pack the breeze. Do not forget cannot sleep without it so (laughs) for sure for sure so have you found because you do both like direct to consumer and you do you have the b2b sales channel um have you found those to be um different and experience like different challenges in approaching both of those yeah absolutely um so we we started b2b absolutely there was no doubt about that that decision to go in that direction Um, but when we learned about that insight, like I said, that all these B2B decisions actually are kind of like a B2C decision, um, that results in a B2B sale. Um, we decided that we just need to change our communications a little bit to be less, you know, focused on the, the attributes of the product and things like that to being more benefit, more human focused, Um, so we have more B2C comms, but we are a truly B2B business and we consequently make B2C sales just because it happens all the time where a business will buy our product and then someone will take it home and then they'll give it to their daughter and they'll take it to university. And then the business will buy a couple of more because now there's a whole bunch that are missing that all the people have taken home. And 
you know, it goes on and on like that. Um, but we haven't put a lot of effort into B2C. The B2C sales have been completely organic. Um, wow. We have people that are just transacting on our website um, completely unsolicited. And then we focus on the B2B sales. It's it's too big of a world to go after without, without having focus because air is literally affecting every single person. So it as much as there are lots of places that could be excellent to go in lots of directions that could be great to go in. You really have to be focused in order to actually be effective. I totally agree because they're two having two different sales channels. It's two completely different strategies and how you're going to grow those sales channels. And I think a lot of people miss that and they try, if they start in B2B, they try and take that B2B strategy into B2C and it just flops or vice versa. And so it's completely different strategies that you're trying to, to maneuver around there. Yeah. Um, but you guys actually recently went through a complete rebrand. Uh, yeah. So do you want to tell us about the rebrand and what sort of led to that decision? Yeah, absolutely. So when we first launched the business, we called it in the clear zone. And the the thought behind it was that like you're in the clear, like about creating that like peace of mind um, for different people in various situations. And at the time, that name really like served the direction that we were going in and that sort of thing. But as the business has evolved, I mean, it's evolved significantly as businesses do. I mean, it's just about being in, in touch with the market and understanding the direction that things are moving in um, and having a bit of a ability to self-assess. So when we were assessing the business, really what our offering is and where we want to take the company, we knew that um, our name and our brand really wasn't serving that um, because it wasn't thinking big enough. It needed to feel um, bigger, um, more science-driven. People want to understand um, the data because we started putting such a huge focus not only on existing medical data, but on the data that we were actually pulling, like we created a proprietary AI model. Like we have really taken that to the next level um, because understanding those data insights is, is just the future of where we're taking the business. Um, and when we really assessed that, um, I was just, I was thinking about it and just doing some research and I was actually on a flight. So you kind of get, you have a, a, the ability to just take some time in your own brain when maybe you don't really have that. Cause there's so many interruptions in life and the internet and <laughs> all that stuff. So I was sitting on this flight and I just started thinking about the direction of the business. And I don't know how this popped into my mind, but the concept of ecology came into my mind and ecology is the study of patterns, the scientific study of patterns between the way that organisms interact with their environment. And this is an entire scientific wing that people will study in school and get degrees in and all of those kinds of things. And I was like, this is what we're doing. 
we're taking data insights and studying in a scientific manner the patterns that emerge between the, the two relationships of people and their environments. And to me, that was a big enough picture that it could encompass everything that we were trying to accomplish, but also speaks to the user more. People were really not um, identifying well with our branding. Um, they're like, what is clear zone? Is this like hockey equipment? Is this like a rear view mirror so that you can see what's behind you better? Like people did not get it. The amount of spam emails that I get that are about whatever, because they see our name and they think that it's contact lenses. Like <laughs> I was just For sure. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. It's not like speaking to your target market and to that customer yeah. that's looking for this product, right? Exactly. And, you know, being a B2B company, it was really important that businesses could understand what we're doing as quickly as possible. So you don't get a lot of time with people. Um, so that's really why we had this rebrand. We wanted to focus on the bigger picture. We wanted to speak more clearly to our user. Um, and it was also about just creating a bigger vision. Um, and all of that kind of came together. It had been something we've been working on for about eight months. And, you know, you just have this, this moment of reflection on an airplane and you're like, all right, this is it. And I mean, the, the ending of the word, like, so obviously it's rooted in ecology, but ICA is an ending that is associated with singular feminine um, conjugation. And as being a sole female founder, I felt like that spoke to the root of the business as well and how the business is really kind of about my experience and my own personal problems that I've had in this space and being, you know, solution focused. I love that you're bringing it all together and bringing in the passion that you have for it individually as a human being, and then matching that with what you're doing as a business. Like, I think that's such a beautiful name. Oh, um, awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, uh, this has been amazing. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of this information. Like I can guarantee you that people listening to this are going to walk away thinking I need one of these in my life because <laughs> I need to sleep better. I need to breathe better. I need to reduce the inflammation in my body, like so many benefits to this product. Um, so if people do want to learn more, where can they find you? Just, you know, on our website, www.ecologica.com, E-C-O-L-O-G-I-C-C-A. <laughs> Didn't know if I was going to get that right. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Janessa. Um, this has been awesome. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Nicole. It was great chatting with you.